Hi everyone, and welcome to Fresh Food. I'm your host, Carlos. I'm here to give you insights and knowledge you might not have considered about the food that you typically buy. The aim of this podcast is to help you learn more about the fresh produce that you see in your local grocery store and set you on the path to picking the best food that suits your needs, which ultimately help you make smart decisions when buying your fresh food. The topic this episode is watermelon. So, did you know that watermelon is both a fruit and a vegetable? Watermelon's a plant species that's part of the gourd family. Gourds being squash, zucchini, pumpkin, melon, cucumbers, etc. Watermelon's also a berry, which I'll get to in a moment. It's a vine-like flowering plant originally domesticated in West Africa and has more than a thousand varieties. Watermelon is grown in favorable climates from tropical to temperate regions worldwide. Watermelon is actually a berry with a hard rind and no internal divisions and is botanically called a pepo. A pepo is a type of berry formed from an inferior ovary and containing many seeds usually large with a tough outer skin. Some other examples of pepos are pumpkins and cucumbers. The sweet, juicy flesh is usually deep red to pink with many black seeds. Many seedless varieties exist and have become increasingly popular with consumers in the last few decades. Watermelon can be eaten raw or pickled. The rind is also edible after cooking but is commonly consumed as a juice or as an ingredient in mixed beverages. The history of the watermelon is pretty interesting. The watermelon's a flowering plant that originated in West Africa, where it could also be found growing in the wild. Watermelons have been cultivated in Egypt for more than 5,000 years. Evidence of cultivation in the Nile Valley has been found from the 2nd millennium BC onward, and the seeds of both species have been found at 12th dynasty sites and in the tomb of Pharaoh Tutankhamun. Egyptians depicted watermelons and drawings on the walls of the tombs and even left watermelon with their dead to nourish them as they journeyed through the underworld. Watermelon seeds were also found in ancient settlements in the Dead Sea region. Watermelons were being cultivated in India in the 7th century. By the 10th century, they had reached China, which is today the world's single largest watermelon producer. The Moors introduced the fruit into the Iberian Peninsula, and there's evidence of it being cultivated in Cordoba in 961 AD and also in Seville in 1158. Then it spread northwards through southern Europe. The fruit had become appearing in European herbals by 1600 and was widely planted in Europe by the 17th century as a garden crop. European colonists and slaves from Africa introduced the watermelon to the New World. Spanish settlers were growing it in Florida in 1576, and it was being grown in Massachusetts by 1629. And by 1650, it was being cultivated in Peru, Brazil, and Panama, as well as many British and Dutch colonies. 
Around the same time, Native Americans were cultivating the crop in the Mississippi Valley and Florida. Watermelons were rapidly accepted in Hawaii and other Pacific Islands when they were introduced there by explorers such as Captain James Cook. The seedless watermelon variety was initially developed in 1939 by Japanese scientists who were able to create hybrids which remained rare at first because they didn't have sufficient disease resistance. Seedless watermelons became more popular in the century, rising to nearly 85% of total watermelon sales in the U.S. by 2014. In terms of volume, the United States ranks seventh in worldwide watermelon production with 1.82 million tons, just behind Algeria with 1.87 million and Uzbekistan with 1.97 million. China dwarfs all the other countries' production with 79.2 million tons. That's a lot of watermelon. Turkey is second with only 3.92 million tons. Iran is third with 3.81 million tons. And Brazil is fourth with 2.09 million. The top watermelon growing states in the U.S. include California, Arizona, Texas, Florida, and Georgia. The one thing that's amazing is there are more than 1,200 cultivars of watermelon, ranging in weight from less than a kilogram to more than 90 kilograms. That's 200 pounds. The flesh can be red, pink, orange, yellow, or white. Most watermelons mature in 85 to 100 days, and over 300 types of watermelon are grown in the U.S., although only about 50 varieties are grown for grocery stores. I've put a link in the show notes and on the website showing you many different standard and exotic varieties of watermelons. You may want to take a look. Some of them are pretty cool. One variety of watermelon, the Carolina Cross, produced the current world record for heaviest watermelon, weighing 159 kilograms. That's 351 pounds. It has green skin, red flesh, and commonly produces fruit between 29 and 68 kilograms, 65 to 150 pounds. That's a big watermelon, and it takes about 90 days from planting to harvest. Now here's a topic that just about everybody wants to know. How do you select a watermelon? How do I get a really good one? Well, there's really only three tips to selecting a ripe watermelon, and this applies to both seeded and seedless varieties. One, pick it up. Regardless of the size, it should feel heavier than it looks. If you ever pick up a watermelon and say, now that's a heavy watermelon, that's what you're looking for. Number two, Tap the watermelon firmly with your fingertips, or you can use your knuckles as well. It should be solid and not have soft spots. If you get a nice bouncy, echoey sound and feel, that's a juicy watermelon. If it sounds dull or flat, then it's either overripe or underripe. Three, sometimes you can look at the ground spot of the watermelon as an indicator. The bottom, or the ground spot, is the lighter colored section that sits on the ground and doesn't get the sunlight that causes the green coloring as all the other sides. Oftentimes, the color ranges from a white to a yellowy cream color. The more creamy yellow it looks, the riper the melon will be. 
If there's no ground spot, the melon may have been harvested too early. Also, you can look for a hard green stem, but that just means it was harvested recently and isn't that important in ripeness. Sometimes, due to growing conditions, a melon's rind might not feel solid, but slightly spongy instead. In that case, the watermelon flesh inside will probably be spongy too. The color and taste may be fine, but the flesh not being firm could be a textural turnoff when eating it. I just say skip it, let your produce worker know. They may have gotten an entire batch like that and they don't know about it. If you manage to find a watermelon that matches all three of the above criteria, you'll most likely be taking home a great watermelon. Now there's a caveat though. Just because they meet all three doesn't mean you're going to be guaranteed a fantastic watermelon. Nothing is guaranteed. You're just lessening the chances of getting a bad watermelon. Growing conditions and other things can ruin a melon that still feels good. On the other hand, just because a melon doesn't necessarily meet all three criteria doesn't mean it's still not a good watermelon. You're always taking a chance in buying whole watermelons, but you can certainly take those steps to increase the likelihood of taking home a good one. If you're not sure how to go about cutting a watermelon or cutting it the right way, or if it sounds a little too dubious to you to cut such a large piece of fruit, uh, I've included a link in the show notes and also on the website from Good Housekeeping that shows you how to cut a watermelon. And those are very simple steps. So you might want to take a look at that. When it comes to sweetness, most watermelons are around 9 to 10 on the brick scale. A very sweet watermelon measures 11 to 12 on the brick scale. Bricks is a measurement of sugar levels in produce. I'll leave a link in the show notes again with some useful information about bricks levels. In terms of nutrition, watermelon is 92% water and contains 6% sugars. Two cups of watermelon has 80 calories, no fat, vitamin A, B6, C, potassium, magnesium, and thiamine, although only vitamin C is present in appreciable content. Watermelon pulp contains carotenoids, including lycopene, which helps make it red and is a really good antioxidant that protects against cell damage. Watermelon has only 40 calories per cup, yet has more lycopene than any other fruit or vegetable. The amino acid citrulline is produced in watermelon rind, which some studies indicate it may help to reduce blood pressure. One thing you might not be aware of is that seedless watermelons are not genetically modified. The seedless watermelon, which is a hybrid created by crossing a watermelon with 22 chromosomes with a watermelon with 44 chromosomes. The result is a sterile watermelon that doesn't develop seeds. Those white seeds that you find in a seedless variety are just empty seed coats and they're perfectly fine to eat. Sometimes you'll see a black seed in a seedless watermelon. Why is this? Well, this is actually an empty seed coat that sometimes turns from white to black when stress, 
which can be environmental or chemical, is placed on the plant. The black seed that sometimes pops up in seedless watermelon didn't come from fertilization or pollination. So in 2007, the Oklahoma State Senate honored the watermelon by voting 44 to 2 to make it the state vegetable. Why not the state fruit? Well, that distinction was already given to the strawberry. Have you ever bought a watermelon and then when you cut it, it's partially hollow in the center? Well, that's actually a thing called hollow heart. The lack of pollen during the pollination of the plant is thought to contribute to hollow heart, which causes the flesh of the watermelon to develop a large hole, sometimes in an intricate symmetric shape. Watermelons suffering from hollow heart are safe to eat. They just look strange. Here's what I actually dug up on the subject. The U.S. Department of Agriculture recommends at least one beehive per acre, or 4,000 square meters per hive, for pollination of conventional seeded varieties for commercial plantings. Seedless hybrids have sterile pollen. This requires planting pollinizer rows of varieties with viable pollen. Since the supply of viable pollen is reduced and pollination is much more critical in producing the seedless variety, the recommended number of hives per acre, or pollinator density, increases to three hives per acre, or 1,300 square meters per hive. Watermelons have a longer growing period than other melons, and can often take 85 days or more from the time of transplanting for the fruit to mature. I've also heard that the faster a watermelon develops, the greater the chance of developing hollow heart. I don't know if this is true, but that's another possibility. I know that certain varieties, such as a black diamond watermelon, those are the round seedless ones with very dark green rind, are more susceptible to the affliction. I put a link in the show notes with examples of hollow heart watermelons. So if you want to take a look, you can find them there or on our website. Japanese farmers found a way to grow cubic watermelons by growing the fruits in metal and glass boxes and making them assume the shape of the container. The cubic shape was originally designed to make the melons easier to stack and store, but these square watermelons may be multiple times the price of normal ones, so they appeal mainly to wealthy urban consumers. Pyramid-shaped watermelons have also been developed, and any polyhedral shape may be potentially used. Again, there are links in the show notes to some interesting shaped melons and molds used to grow them. So here's an interesting topic. Is watermelon the new Viagra? Well, to an extent... Watermelons contain a non-essential amino acid called L-citrulline. It's also found in garlic, fish, and legumes. The body converts citrulline to the essential amino acid arginine, which is a precursor to nitric oxide. Nitric oxide is the compound responsible for dilating 
the blood vessels, resulting in lower blood pressure and better blood flow. With this in mind, there is some logic to the idea of improving erections with watermelon. The citrulline converts to arginine. The arginine then creates nitric oxide. Nitric oxide helps to dilate the blood vessels, and in turn, blood circulation is improved. One of the problems with watermelon is that the concentration of citrulline is quite low. So it would be really difficult to eat enough watermelon to substantially boost your body's levels of arginine, the product of citrulline that actually aids in the blood flow. A 2007 study that had people drinking 55 ounces of watermelon juice per day saw their blood levels of arginine increase by just 22%, which won't do much at all. Yes, arginine is involved in increased blood flow, but it does so all throughout the body. Producing an erection is a particularly complex process, so just increasing the amount of arginine in your blood won't do this. What it will do is reduce muscle pain after a workout due to increased blood flow. But eating tons of it in hopes of treating erectile dysfunction will accomplish exactly one thing. It'll have you peeing a lot, since the melon is a diuretic and is about 92% water. Well, that's it for this episode of Fresh Food. I hope you enjoyed it. And you can always email me with any questions you have at theproduceguy at freshfoodpodcast.com. Or you can visit our website, www.freshfoodpodcast.com, where you'll also find the links that I mentioned that are in the show notes, plus images and other links, such as recipes and videos that aren't in the show notes. I hope you have a great day and I'll catch you next time.